Have you ever experienced God? Have you ever had a, a profound sense of his presence? Have you ever been overwhelmed by his holiness and grace or sort of uh, stopped in your tracks with some um, sense of his profound love for you? Is this um, in any sense a regular event? Uh, does it happen only occasionally? Never happen? Are you able to turn down the, the volume and pace of life enough to hear uh, the still small voice of God? I have several friends who at various times in their life were sort of overwhelmed by, uh, by a sense sort of, of, of rapturous joy of being pulled into God's presence, and it, it changed the trajectory of their life. Um, I have not had that experience. Indeed, there have been times when I have uh, been crying out to God and have not heard anything from him. Uh, but there have been times when I would say I, I, I heard the voice of God, not audibly, but I, I was in the presence of God, or I sensed God, or I have been moved by God. Uh, most often for me that happens as I am um, reading the Bible. There are times when I just say, it, it's not like I read the Bible this morning, it's more like the Bible read me. It, it, there's just a, something is going on and, and it feels alive. And uh, I, I, I sense God's presence behind things. Um, and then there have been a couple times when I have very you know, profoundly said, oh my goodness, I have, um, I, I have, I have sensed God. I, I've shared before that I was working uh, as a management consultant in Washington. Had, I had been on staff at a church for eight years, and then I'd been doing this consulting for uh, about seven years, and I had no intention of going back on staff at a church. Uh, well, it just wasn't even on my radar. And uh, in the context of one phone call, uh, like almost instantaneously, I sensed a call uh, back into pastoral ministry and in particular to, to Christ church. And um, that was not, uh, at the time, that was not really like good news. Um, I really liked what I was doing and I, weekends free and there was a lot of, I, I was sort of amazed by the upsides of what I was doing. But uh, it's also been a very, wonderful thing because there was this strong sense of call that uh, I can go back to and say well I you know the last time I really really heard where I was supposed to be it was here. Uh, I also had a deep sense of God's presence and love and grace when I was uh, suffering from that that uh, dissection that led to a stroke and it sort of started as I was being loaded onto the ambulance. Uh, I wasn't thinking clearly, having had this uh, dissection and a stroke. So on the one hand, I thought I was fine, but I also thought that I, I, I may die. And uh, I, I, was not, um, I was not frightened by that. I was a little sad. I, I didn't want to leave uh, Sherry and the boys. Um, there was a sense that I should have taken more risk. But, uh, but there's also another sense of like, okay, uh, I, I get to be done. I get to leave the land that's broken, a land of hardships and headaches and hassles and setbacks. And I get to go and be fully in the presence of God uh, in a world that works. And so there was, a, there was a sense of God's presence in all that. And during the first couple of weeks I was in neuro-ICU, I, I 
I remember sort of being able to rest in God's love and care. And, and you, if you were around at that point, I was posting blog entries uh, every day, and my prayer request at one point was, um, my fear <laughs> was that as I got better, uh, that intimacy with Christ would, uh, would fade. Uh, and I don't know whether it had to fade or not, but um, it, it did, uh, full disclosure. And, um, and it, it felt to me like it was sort of, um, it was there when I most desperately needed it. So uh, I have had moments of wonder and awe. And probably the other time that it sort of happens more naturally to me um, is when I'm serving, especially perhaps um, have an opportunity to, to stand alongside uh, those that are struggling and, and those that are poor and other things and to serve. So I could go on about experiences with God and the sense of his presence, but I don't, I don't think I need to. You have your own stories. Um, and what I want to do is make sure you understand how we have framed this series. So obviously we've been doing some things different. Um, we have woven into the service more times of silence and reflection and Lectio Divina and other things. Um, so we've done some things different. I want to be sure you, you understand that we've not just sort of launched at this from a sense of our experiences. Um, I'm not against that. I think there's times to sort of process our experiences and reflections of God and in small groups and in discussions. And I've done that and you often hear people saying, I felt closest to God during a trial or I, fe I feel closest to God uh, in times uh, out in nature or uh, in creative activities or sacred moments around birth of a child or, or death or something. So you hear people and they process that, and I think there's value in that. But I want to be really clear that, um, that we have been driven by looking at a number of reports in Scripture of times that people were experiencing God and felt pulled into his presence. So I think um, God reveals himself in a variety of different ways. And we certainly know that he reveals himself through creation. We get that in Romans 1 and uh, in Psalm 19. Uh, I think the most profound revelation of God um, comes in Jesus, his son. Hebrews makes that point. And then the clearest sort of um, revelation of God's character and the path forward and the plan of salvation and the gospel and all that comes, uh, comes through Scripture. So uh, we have been, to that end, we have been in a number of passages looking and thinking about this. So um, Anson started us in Exodus 3, the, the revelation of God in the burning bush uh, to Moses. I was then in Exodus 19 and 20 where Mount Sinai and the, the call to the people to approach the mountain and it was a thunder and lightning and fire and uh, it was a scary uh, time when they pulled into God's presence. And then last week it was Anson again in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Pentecost day when the Holy Spirit falls on those gathered in the upper room and they, uh, they meet with God and they are equipped, uh, big point, they, they are in God's presence equipped to, uh, to serve, to fulfill their, their mandate, to share the good news about Christ and uh, to go out and love and serve others. So today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to uh, lead us, sort of focus on the second half of that. It's, it's, it's pretty much a unit, but we're going to look at the second half. Then we're going to come back after the sermon, and Anson's going to lead us um, in a time of, of looking at 
the chapters 22 uh, through 24, and that's going to be uh, the uh, Electio Divina, sort of imagination, prayer time to reflect on that. Uh, and then um, that's going to all set up campus pastors taking us into uh, a time of communion. So um, throughout all of that, we're going we're gonna to be moving, we're going to see this passage that's moving us from the Old Testament. So Hebrews 12 is going to start back in Exodus 19 with the, uh, the whole Mount Sinai. But we're going to move from the Old Testament, the law, the old covenant, right? That we're, we're supposed to fulfill all these requirements, which is bad news because we can't do it. And then we move over to, uh, we move from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion. And we move to the New Testament, to the New Covenant. We move from the law, we move to grace, we move to Jesus, we move to the cross. Uh, and all of that will inspire an attitude of thankfulness, which will also uh, set us up for what follows. So, we're in the book of Hebrews. Um, this is, um, as you may know, this is a book, we don't, <laughs> we don't actually know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some say Paul some say Priscilla, some say, you know, others. We, we don't actually know. When, as the New Testament canon was being formalized, so let's just be careful here because people say all kinds of things about this process. Uh, but the New Testament books, the Gospels, the writings of Paul, you know, Peter, James, John, the New Testament books go into circulation very early. But the early church cannot meet because being a Christian is illegal. And so they don't have their first sort of open public, you know, get-together until Constantine has come uh, and become the, the emperor of Rome and issued this edict of toleration and all of that happens in the early 4th century. And um, uh, along with sort of uh, the Nicene Creed and establishing the date of Easter, they, they ratify the, uh, the, the order and the books that are in the New Testament canon. And they're not, they're not giving authority to these books. They're simply agreeing that these are the books that have authority from God. So they have the, the sort of self-authenticating voice of God. They've been used for the last 200 years by the church. And for the most part, they're, um, they're written by the apostles. So you've got the books of of, of James and John and Peter and Paul. You've also got books that weren't written by the apostles, uh, Mark and Luke, for instance, uh, that were endorsed by apostles. And so all that to say, the book of Hebrews, uh, we don't know who wrote it. So they sort of thought for a while around that time that it was probably Paul. We don't think so anymore. But it, it just has such, it is, it is such a celebration of Christ, such a profound book so clearly carries uh, the voice of God with it. So, we don't know who wrote it, but we know that it was written to people who were suffering, and it's, it's, got, a, it's got good news. It's full of uh, the first half of the book is sort of leads up to, it's talking about Jesus and who he is and what he's done, leads up to some central chapters that are celebrating the fact that Jesus is our high priest. And then towards the end of the book of Hebrews, we have, uh, a bit that uh, is sort of exhorting us to go do certain things. And we get some of that in the first part of Hebrews chapter 12. There's sort of a grocery list of, of things that because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, not so that we earn, 
right? But because everything was done for us, the, the love of God, the grace of God, the finished work of Christ, because of that, consequently, we should stay the course. We should press on. We should get along with others. We should work on being more holy. We should share our faith. We should forgive those who have wronged us. So we have, these, we have this in the first part of Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 12. Then we get into um, the, the place where we're going to be focusing. And um, here we have Israel's encounter with God. It's going to start with Israel's encounter with God um, on Mount Sinai. But it's not going to stay there. And it doesn't actually go there. This is, again, this is what we looked at a couple weeks ago. And, and I was saying, okay, this was, you know, these people were experiencing God. They couldn't go on the mountain. Remember, it was too scary. And God said, if, anybody, if anybody's on the mountain, they're going to die. Uh, I'm coming to the mountain, and so you've got to stand back. So there's some fear there, but, uh, but the writer of Hebrews is going to remind them of this, not to say, look, people do have experiences with God. Look at your forefathers. But he's going to talk about how much better it becomes for us on the other side. So let me begin reading here. Verse 18, Hebrews chapter 12. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was being commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. So this is a reference back to Mount Sinai. This is what we looked at again, Exodus chapter 19. Um, this is not that. So you say, that was scary. Uh, that, was, that was frightening. Instead, you, but you have come to Mount Zion. Okay, not to Mount Sinai, not to Moses, not to the law, not to the old covenant, not to all that stuff uh, that we could not keep, not to that scary place of this is the standard that God gives. Of course, one of the purposes of the law is to help us understand we cannot live up to God's standards. He is holy. We are not. We are broken. We need a Savior. We need to be rescued. We don't just need a teacher. We don't just need a mentor. We don't just need a, a guide. We need a Savior. And so um, you have come uh, not to Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion. And this is where uh, Jesus is going to die on the cross. Mount Zion gets associated with Jerusalem it's associated with Jesus, it's reference to the crucifixion, it's reference to God's love and grace. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, <clears throat> the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. So, there had been angels back, Exodus 19, Mount Sinai, but they couldn't get close to them. And uh, so, so this is an altogether different experience. They're being invited. Here in Hebrews 12, they're being told, you are invited to the party, not to worship the angels, but to join in the chorus of angels who have thrown the world's longest, largest, most amazing party. And uh, you get to join in them in focusing on Christ. Um, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church 
are the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Uh, which is us after our death. So we, we are justified when we come to faith in Christ. So our, our sin is transferred to Jesus. His righteousness is transferred to us. We are declared just. We grow as we partner with God through the Holy Spirit, as we seek God. We are sanctified over the course of our lives. And then uh, at the time that we die, uh, we are glorified. So our, our uh, sanctification process hits fast forward and it is completed. And we become um, as, as holy as is our legal status after we're justified. So you've come to the uh, church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So the idea that Jesus is our mediator, that he's going to stand between God the Father and us, um, that he's going to broker the deal, this is something that comes up in Hebrews chapter 8, and it comes up in Hebrews chapter 9. It's a, it's a big idea. Here it is again in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So two things to note here. Um, so the word sprinkled, um, there's been some studies that suggest that sprinkled is uh, going back to Exodus 34, which sort of confirms the idea of the covenant being ratified. Um, that the blood, of, of the blood being poured out on the altar is more of a statement of, of the propitiation. It's more of a statement of what Christ is accomplishing for us. So sprinkled is more of sort of ratifying the covenant. And then Abel is just um, better than Abel. So Abel is sort of a placeholder for a lot of the sacrifices that went on. Abel was the, was the, the one, the son uh, of Adam and Eve, killed by his brother Cain. Um, and, but he was the, sort of the righteous one. But it's better than Abel. Who's better than Abel? Well, that is uh, Jesus. Verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? So there were prophets. If you didn't, you know, you didn't follow the prophets, they got in trouble. How much more if you don't follow the the, 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 the premier prophet, Jesus Christ. Um, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Uh, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So this is, this is uh, encouraging news for Christ followers. Um, perhaps you need some encouraging news about now. So maybe this is written for you. Um, the good news is that we can rest in the presence of God. Uh, we have not come to a mountain that uh, cannot be touched, Mount Sinai. We're under a new deal, right? We don't, that, that was very fearful to approach God, and, and the emphasis now is not on God's inapproachability, 
but it's on God's love and God's kindness and God's reaching out to us. You have not come to Mount Zion, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, sprinkled with blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. So look, um, there's a number of things here uh, to be noted. Uh, Lots of things that we could pick up on. I'm struck by the need for humility because uh, maybe I need to be struck by the need for humility. But as I was reading in my own devotional times this week, I was struck by how often the, the Jews thought that the reason uh, God had chosen them was because they were better than others, which throughout the time, throughout Scripture, God makes it clear that's not the reason that he chose them. Uh, in Hebrews 12, there's talk about Esau, who's the, 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 you know, he sells his birthright for a cup of porridge, and we're, the, all the things that we're called to do so that we're not be like an Esau. Um, but I think the big takeaway here is the greater access that we are given to God because of Jesus and how thankful that should make us. That we can, you can, I can, look to Jesus, rest in Jesus, and through Jesus, understand, lean into, and experience God. So we're going to go into some more reflection. Look, there are people, smart people, who wake up every day to try and fill your head with all kinds of thinking. Fight for a life. Fight for a mindset. Fight for a worldview. Fight for the sense of peace that comes by being shaped by the gospel, but being shaped by God. Let's experience God in Christ. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer. May we experience you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, come, guide, direct, empower, and dwell. Even us, sinful people though we are, we confess our brokenness and we ask that you would fill us and meet with us and encourage us even now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.